The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents. So if you ask, how should we live, you need to break that down into at least two or three more smaller questions. You want to ask something like, what should the aims of my actions be? And with respect to whom should I be trying to achieve those aims? Welcome back to the Next Big Idea Daily. All this week, we're talking with the authors of Life Worth Living, a guide to what matters most. It's a book based on a seminar that the authors teach at Yale, and they're helping us ask ourselves what they call the question. It can be framed several ways, but the basic idea is what do you want out of life? Or even better, what should you want? What is worthy of wanting? These are big questions, so big they can be kind of scary, which is probably why most of us avoid answering or even asking these questions for much of our lives. But like anything big and complicated, figuring out your purpose in life can be broken down into smaller, more manageable steps. Here's co-author Ryan McAnally-Linz to explain. I have two kids. When the older of the two was six years old, she was starting to really get the hang of reading. She was cruising through the little beginner books that she had started with, your Very Hungry Caterpillars and Goodnight Moons. One day, she decided that she was going to read B.J. Novak's amazing The Book With No Pictures to her three-year-old little brother. She was going to be the one who said all the silly things and made him laugh. It was going to be awesome. Everything went great, almost all the way through. She handled the phrase robot monkey with confidence. She belted out the silly sounds with gusto. But then, right toward the end, she got to the word preposterous, and she came up short. To her eyes, this was just an impossibly long string of meaningless letters. What did we do? Well, we broke it down into manageable pieces. Pre-posterous. That she could handle. When you're trying to figure out what matters most in life, a similar strategy is called for. Instead of taking it all at once, break it down into more manageable chunks. Smaller questions that are still, let's be honest, pretty big, but that at least give you some handholds. This is what we do in the book. We walk through questions like who we're responsible to, how a good life should feel, how to live with suffering that we can't get rid of, and so on. It's still a big task, but at least there's a path through the forest. What does that look like in practice? What are some of the smaller questions we can ask ourselves that are maybe a little easier to approach than the big, scary question itself? So if you ask, how should we live? You need to break that down into at least two or three more smaller questions. You Mm want to ask something like, what should the aims of my actions be? And with respect to whom should I be trying to, to achieve those aims? And the value of doing this is it gives you a little bit more tractability and it helps you look for better conversation partners because it's relatively rare that any person you're talking to or any text you're reading is somehow setting out like a comprehensive vision of life all at once, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Usually we're, we're talking or thinking in, in much more focused ways. And so then you can take the questions that bubble up in life career questions, family questions like that. And you can start to like refract them through the prism 
of these questions and start to see the different aspects that they impinge on, right? Your choice of career will have some things to do with what scope of impact you think you're you're responsible for. It will have to do with how important you think certain kinds of circumstances are in a human life, like material comfort. I'm thinking another way to approach this is sort of from the ground up, you know, that if I just start to ask myself, well, what when do I feel the most joy? When do I feel the most connection? When do I feel the most alive? That might be a little easier to answer because I can just look back at the last week or month of my life and say, well, it turns out I feel most joy when I'm with good friends in nature. Okay, well, that's some information that I can then use as I then think about like, what, what does that tell me about what I should be doing more of and, and who I'm responsible to and, and what my values are? And piece by piece, maybe you can start to work up to thinking like, where am I ultimately headed? So it's probably important to have both directions going. I think you're you're exactly right that this kind of ground up stuff, and we encourage some of it in the in the your turn sections of the book. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of look at where you are, look at where you're immediately coming from. That's really valuable data, just like you said. But let me tell a story that suggests that that it could also lead you very far astray. Um, th- this is the story of Albert Speer, who, if you asked him where does he feel the most joy. He would say, it's when I'm designing buildings. Mm. He was a just a massively talented architect. And he was, he was so good at it that he caught the eye of the leader of his country, who at the time was Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and Hitler offered him the opportunity to be the kind of chief architect of the, the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it seems he was kind of just working from that ground up perspective, just mm-hmm. working from that, where do I feel most alive? Where's the where's the greatness in me? <laughs> and he got a good answer for it. And he wound up being, in so many respects, atrocious as a human being. And and uh, that's why I think you need this kind of this other side, this more this more top down, taking the big questions as big questions, because they have a way, if we're really listening as we do this discernment, they have a way of opening up our horizon beyond ourselves and mm-hmm. making sure that we're doing our self-exploration in dialogue with a world that matters apart from us. Well, what are some other questions? I was thinking of questions like, what would I like said at my eulogy, you know, at my funeral? Mm-hmm. What legacy do I want to leave behind? Again, not an easy question, but but maybe it's one bite at the apple of trying to kind of put together what what you really value and what what you want to do with your life. Yeah, yeah. So it can be really helpful to say what kind of life would I want for my children or my niece or nephew or my young students, you know, young people who you who you interact with and care for because then it's it's not so connected to your own kind of complex desires and history and things like that and you can start to say, you know, I would be disappointed if if my daughter wound up, you know, incredibly successful in her career, but with no solid relationships. I'd be disappointed. Uh, and that strikes me as, again, a, a kind of good sort of data. Well, that's it for today. As you go about breaking down the big capital Q question into smaller lowercase questions, you might be tempted to mix and match, pull from various cultural and spiritual traditions, blend a little hedonism with some stoicism, go to church in the morning and yoga in the afternoon. Tomorrow, Matt and Ryan will tell us why they think this buffet approach to life is not a good idea. Sign up for our newsletter using the link in the episode notes, and we'll send you a weekly summary of all these ideas, and you can join our community as we try to think through these big questions together. I'm Michael Kavnat. See you tomorrow.